1: what is up everybody welcome to the latest edition of after impact i am your host tom bilyeu and i am here with agent smith mr bilyeu what's up man how you doing i'm doing well thank you how about you pretty good your boy preston smiles is up to bat he's a fellow surfer
0: that's right yeah i didn't know that until he talked about it on the uh on the episode yes it's cool and he has a whole surf school which i didn't know about either Really? Yeah. Like, oh, that's right, yeah, it yeah, yeah. may have been cut out of the episode, yeah. but he did mention it. Indeed, Yeah. indeed. Maybe we'll have to go check out that surf school sometime. Yes. Yes, we are here on After Impact. Welcome, everybody. This is a show where we unpack the impact yeah. of Preston Smiles. Now, this is a Tuesday. This is not a yeah. regular After Impact for us, but due to some uh, shoots coming up, we had to shift the schedule around, so... Hopefully you've seen the episode. <laughs> um, if you're really on it and you're on that commute on the podcast, you may have listened to it, yes. but the YouTube episode just went live. So please join us or watch this later and enjoy it after you've seen the episode. Um, or if you haven't seen it yet, this is a really good one, guys. Uh, I really like his energy. super positive. If you're looking for something to really lift you up, give you a new perspective, this is a great episode for that Preston's awesome at that and uh, yeah if you haven't listened to it yet or heard it check it out on the podcast we're on all kinds of platforms we're on all the platforms we're on iTunes all the platforms. we're on Stitcher we're on Overcast we're trying to get on Spotify <laughs> Spotify we're <laughs> out there the optimum word here please it's like unrequited love like we yeah. really want to be on Spotify but we haven't gotten it yet we have not so if yeah. you want us to be on Spotify, if you listen to all your music on Spotify and you want to also listen to Impact Theory, why don't you uh, tweet tweet Spotify? Yeah, let them, them know. Up.
1: Let them know what's up. Yeah. And then also we're trying to crush right now to get across the 100K mark on YouTube. So share this content if it's bringing value. That would be amazing. We're trying to help our boy Dr. Finesse out. Getting those numbers up is really going to help him book some guests. We're starting to get outreach. I don't want to derail this episode, but people are starting to reach into us now, like right yeah, in to yeah. ask to be on the show. Some pretty amazing people. Uh, I Until we have the date for the person that reached out to us yesterday,
0: I won't say who it is, but I was freaking out. Yeah, So it's I'm super excited, yeah. Good momentum right now. So thank you for, for all of your support. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome Facebook Live. Welcome YouTube Live. We're talking about Preston Smiles. Uh, he is a... Author, he's a motivational speaker, a life coach, uh, founder of the company, which I'm afraid I don't know the name of right now. The Bridge Method, yo. The Bridge Method. Amazing guy, has a crazy uh, story about his life, and he just has a a really refreshing perspective, so highly encourage you to watch the episode. Um, Let's kick it off talking about play. Let's do it. This really resonated with me because I'm a big believer in the importance of play.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. I never would have said that about you. I think because I, I have a different way when I'm working. Yeah. But in my personal life, I really think play is critical. Yeah, you got to watch that IG feed with you. You're you're like a sleeper <laughs> comedian on your IG feed. I like to have fun sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree to that. Um, so play for me is really important. I want to talk to you about how you see play in your mm-hmm. life, um, especially as someone who uh, is constantly grinding, constantly yeah outworking everyone around them or pursuing that, um, what role does play have in your life?
1: Man, the honest answer is while my life is certainly not devoid of play, not by any stretch of the imagination, and one of the fun ways that I found to spend time with my wife is to play video games, which is very, very much play, but I'm not a guy that thinks about play. Yeah. What I think a lot about is enjoying what I do. So I'll tell you one of the things I... I don't have an easy time putting words around this, but being an entrepreneur is puzzle solving. So you're constantly presented with problems and you have to find a solution for them. Um, And I really enjoy that process. So we just had a call this morning, which maybe I was solving a problem that didn't even exist. But even in that moment, like when I thought they were saying, hey, this this can't be done, my mind immediately goes to, actually, I know there's a way and let's find that way. And so- That for me, if you can have that mentality of how do we solve this problem? How do we overcome this hurdle? And you can really, truly enjoy that process so that you get a little bit giddy when you've got a big problem and you're thinking of cool ways to solve it or the team is coming together and you're brainstorming ideas. Like if that's fun for you, then you're in a really really good position and that is very fun for me. So, I don't think a lot about like, oh hey, I want to go surf or I want to play volleyball or, you know, something yeah. like that. That doesn't really enter into my life, but I so enjoy what I do that I I would be willing to bet On a neurochemical level, if you were to scan my brain while I'm solving a problem and you were to scan somebody else's brain, say Press and Smiles, while he's surfing or doing something that's um, meditative and enjoyable at the same time, it would look very, very similar. So I don't have a traditional play style, but I think at at the brainwave level, it's going to be very
0: close. That's super interesting. So it sounds like you've been able to incorporate play into your day-to-day and just the way that you think about things and actually my belief in why play is so important is that it allows you to practice de-escalating and lowering the stakes on things when then everything becomes more game-like right and if it's game-like then you can actually perform because then you can look at it as a challenge rather than a test of your competence or get into that fixed mindset trap so that's why I try to fine times and nicole and i used to do this and we haven't done it in a while but we would schedule a night during the week where come home we order food in you know so we don't have to do any dishes or cooking or anything and we set up like stations around the house where there's like origami there's yeah there's drawing there's writing there's like pull the guitar out and we just spend time just getting engrossed in that wow and i find that it's a really good way to kind of reset de-escalate And then apply those like puzzle solving, you know, problem solving skills to everything in life Mm. after that. So that is
1: really interesting. Really, really interesting. And a similar tactic that I use. Is to remind myself that there is no performance. Everything is discipline practice. Yeah. So I'm trying to go into like the craziest, most over the top, stressful situation and remind myself this is just a chance to like see where my skill set is, how far have I've taken it. But there's no like, oh my god, the world is going to crumble if we don't crush it at this moment. That everything is just a, ta- a chance to test, to yeah, try, yeah. to
0: practice. That's awesome. Do you think play has a definition?
1: I think that everyone would define it. Like when I think about it, yeah, I have a definition for what play is. I think that Preston would definitely have a definition for what play is, but I don't think that there's any objectively right or wrong answer. Uh, I'll come back to neurochemical state, right? Mm. So play is something that, like you're saying, you're finding a way to enjoy it rather than to be focused on or even experiencing the stakes, right? When something's high stakes and your performance matters, it feels very different. It is a very different experience than when you're just messing around with friends and and that feeling is coming from the neurochemistry of whatever you're doing, which is born not of the thing itself, but born rather of your perspective. So that's why I think that at the end of the day, like. If people are groping at trying to explain it, what they're really groping for is the the words to put around that feeling mm-hmm. versus the actual activity.
0: That's awesome. And then the last thing we'll say on this is I found it really interesting that he actually schedules time for yeah. play into a schedule. And I know that kind of hit mm. you in the episode, too. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, playing video games is something that's scheduled into your weekends usually, right, if you have Yeah,
1: I, well, so scheduling something is very different than it's it normally happens mm. right so when he said he scheduled it i thought whoa like that you're really prioritizing it like yeah. i schedule important things time okay it's yeah. it is a thing Everybody knows not to mess with that time. Amanda never schedules me anything from 8 to 10. Like, that's just my important things. No matter what, I'm going to be doing that during that time. So when he said that he scheduled it, I thought, you want to talk about something I would never put on my schedule Mm. is play. Like, work harder, extra work. Like, that I would put on my (laughs) schedule. Um, Which is the thing about identity, which is why I tell people it is so important that you're doing something you love, you care about, makes you feel more alive, right? Because then it's like... Everything that you're doing is getting the benefit of play. So that, that was what struck me, is he actually puts it down in his calendar. He prioritizes that, becomes a real thing for him. So it, you see people's value system and how they spend their time. Yeah. Um, and I, that's very, very intriguing to me.
0: That's cool. Uh, just a shout out to Lance Carter on Facebook. He had a similar question around scheduling play versus spontaneity. Nice. So I think you covered it. Thank you. Uh, let's, let's kick it over to another thing that I found really fascinating. And, you know, it was interesting about Preston, you can, he uses a lot of metaphors in Mm, the way that he explains things. He's super visual too. So um, just the way that he would describe things and the one uh, visual or the one image that he used that I liked was, you know, he said, the problem is that we're always trying to land and it's, you know, as soon as I get that car or that house mm. or that girl or that guy, then I've got it and then I'm done. Yeah. And he really sort of debunks that myth of that's not what's going to bring you happiness or fulfillment. It's the process. So I wanted to get your your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. And his whole analogy of it's the castle. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he was talking about what we've built here. And he said, I bet four years ago, this was like a dream and it was your castle. And now it's your Netflix and chill. And now you're like, yeah. what's that next thing? What's that next thing? And the thing is, for me, I love that so much. Like. We are going through like, do you feel it? I really hope you have the context to understand what we're going through right now at Impact Theory. We're going through that, that zero-to-one moment where people are now reaching out to us. Mm-hmm. We have been the underdog for so long, and getting gas was like fucking, pulling teeth, getting people to take us seriously, trying to get like momentum going on the speaking side of things. Like it was just it's been so much. Energy yeah. and now, like, it's starting it's to starting come to right over. Yeah. now. It's like people are reaching out because they've seen the content, people are reaching out because they want to be on the show, people are reaching out because they believe in what we're doing with the studio. And all of that was we had to create it from absolutely nothing, and that, like. I love that so much of moving the goalposts, like moving the goalposts for me. And I know that it stresses people out in my life because when you're not the one moving it, but the goalposts have been moved on you, like it's a very different experience, but the more the core team here is together the more i think everyone will begin to internalize that like we're we all benefit from that and this isn't to beat each other up for not having done it this is like this is how you begin to matter on a global scale right that no matter how much you've achieved like you can always push it a little bit farther a little bit farther a little bit farther and that's why like my core obsession is with The manifestation of potential, like actually turning it into the ability to close your eyes, imagine something, open them and make it come true. Mm -hmm. Like that is so cool. And I love that so much. And that process to make sure that you never have arrived is all about like, okay, now that you've got to the castle, what's the next castle, next castle? Now, some people look at that and they say you're putting yourself on a treadmill, whatever. And that is true if you're trying to land, as Preston says, if you're trying to make it about if you think having the thing is what's going to give me the sensation that I'm looking for. And that's why if people really listen to what I say and they really watch what I do, what I love is the process. Mm -hmm. What I love is the act of becoming. It, it is always a becoming. It's never a I am. And that's why before I get there, I'm always pushing the goalpost back. Now here in the company, I think it's important because you're in a group and you're not by yourself. It's important to celebrate things. We're actually building out for anybody watching. Uh, entrepreneurs out there, here's something that you should really think about. Build out a calendar of what you as an entity celebrate. And I think that's important. So what are our celebrations? Is it Milestones, right? So mm-hmm. we've done some of that with our 24-hour impactathon. We really wanted to celebrate and thank the community. Um, uh, May the Fourth, right? The which is basically our celebration around mythology and its power. Sure. So we do like a big fun thing where you know all around Star Wars. But that's a cool thing for us to reinforce, like what our ideology is. So if you're enjoying that process, if you are taking the time to celebrate, but if at the same time, like you're willing to like push it and think bigger and dream
0: bigger and can love the process. It's amazing. And that's such an important distinction. I think is that you have to be striving, but then you can't, if you're happy when you land, it's only going to be fleeting and you can't rely on that. And that's why I really liked his, his whole notion of the going to the castle through the woods and you got to take the hits. Mm. Um, and then as soon as you're in the castle, you look for the next castle, yeah. right? It's true. Um, one, of the, one of the things that struck me in the very beginning of the episode, uh, Preston said a lot of what he does with his work when he's doing sort of coaching people one-on-one or mentoring is helping them change the stories they tell themselves. Yeah. And I know you like that. And I yeah, almost yeah. had a thought of, like, would you agree that that's, that's the work that you do as well?
1: One hundred percent. And hearing him talk about the difference between facts and stories, which is how I opened the episode. Right. It was like I wanted to get right to it because that to me is it is why impact theory is going to work, because there are facts and then there are the stories that you tell yourself and nary the twain shall meet. Right. Like they don't they don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. And he also talks, in fact, I think we end the episode talking about everything is neutral, right? So we, I'll admit this was accidental, but we end up booking the episode, bookending the episode with talking about the difference between a fact, um, I am single, and a story, I'm single because I'm not good looking enough or I'm not witty enough or the whole world's full of players, which was the example that he gave. So that difference and then bookending it at the end with... Um, God, what did we book everything? is neutral. <laughs> everything is neutral. Thing. I was like, was what awesome, just happened? I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So that. that, that concept that it is the story that you apply to the event that gives it its meaning. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing more and more people talk about this concept of we're meaning making machines. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is why I'm so obsessed with story, fiction, narrative, because you're going to Extract from the events the perspective based on the story that you're telling yourself based on what you paint that essentially neutral event And I'm glad he used cancer and I wish the example I had used was you're gonna die, right? Like you like if you found out you were gonna die today, like could that ever possibly be seen as neutral? And when you're able to take it to that extreme, getting mauled by a grizzly bear and surviving, but being horrifically scarred and deformed, right? Like, can you really say that's neutral? And I would say that you can say it on paper, but experientially, very much not. And so it is the very much not that becomes the... The difference where one person, it will ruin their life and the other person will become the purpose and meaning of their life. Mm -hmm. And the difference experientially between those two people who go through something bad and it destroys them and they, you know, whatever. I mean, many, many people go through such a hardship they can't get past it. Their frame of reference for it is so negative that they commit suicide, right? And then, did you watch I Am Not Your Guru? The Tony Robbins documentary? Okay, so that amazing moment where that woman who was unbelievably abused in ways I was just like... I was paralyzed by it. I can't believe that's like real. Yeah. And in I just got the chills. In him talking to her, she realizes wait a second. I can totally re- the event is the event. Nothing has changed. But you see her in real time reframe it to but now I can help other people. And I'm not saying that I would have sought out what happened to me, but what happened happened and now with a simple reframe I can become incredibly giving and helpful to other people and you see her like find this, sense of lightness about it mm-hmm. in that you see this weight sort of lifted off her. And I'm not saying that she isn't going to have more work to do to remind herself to keep coming back to that perspective, back to that perspective. But if she can keep coming back to that perspective, suddenly nothing has changed about the event whatsoever. Right. But the story that she's telling herself, this perspective, the, the coloring, the emotional coloring that she places on it changes radically. And there's actually a part of the brain is called the deep limbic system. And its job is to take the world, which is neutral, and paint it with this is good, bad, indifferent, whatever. So once I understood that literally there's a part of the brain that that's its role is to make sure that nothing is neutral. And so there's been studies on people that get the portion of the brain that deals with coloring things emotionally, um, it gets damaged, and then they can't make a decision. It is it is so surreal. I think that V.S. Ramachandran covers this. I can't remember if it, it was in um, Phantoms in the Brain or not. We'll round it to that. But he's written several books. But he talks about how people can articulate like whether they want salmon or um, lamb chops, right? Like they can tell you uh, Rationally, this, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I probably should have the salmon. Um, it's a cold water fish. It's got really healthy fats. Whereas you know, I'm trying to reduce my red meat intake and. But then when you say, okay, but seriously, which one do you want? They can't ever fucking tell you. Like they are permanently frozen in, I get why like I might want one or the other intellectually, but I literally can't decide because you need that emotion. So crazy. So understanding that and knowing, okay, well then I can change what I choose to what emotion i choose to paint this with or i can choose to tell myself a different story which will inevitably impact the emotion that i feel that's when people really begin to take control of their life because you have to like nothing is either good nothing is either good or bad but thinking makes it so right the the quote from shakespeare and that is one of those things that like put at the center of your life because that is to really understand the brain not the mind the brain the brain is doing things the mind can take control of it and really decide to do a different thing with that mechanism that ah this is one of those topics i just want to keep going i think people get it but that is so important Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com.
0: One quick follow-up. What's the role that um, purpose has in this transformation? As
1: it relates to what we were just talking about? Like
0: a very negative experience or what would-
1: Interesting, interesting. So one, if you have a purpose- let's call that your North star. It becomes the thing that guides your direction. It is the filter by which you decide how to feel, what to do, how to respond. So with that, like if I were to say that my purpose is to pull people out of the matrix, then it's like, I know how to determine how to spend my time. But more importantly, I know what I need to do to my mind in order to make sure that I'm able to execute against that goal. So, if it were like, hey, my goal is to go out and help people, does it make sense then to be paralyzed by fear? No, it doesn't, because I can't help people if I do that. So even though I may feel that, even though that fear may seem objectively real, it may seem like something objectively to actually be afraid of, if that's what I need to move forward, then that's what I need to do. So I think of purpose as a goal, right? So not a path. Like a goal, a mission in life, something Mm -hmm. that you really want to make come true. And that to me at the end of the day is really guiding everything. In fact, does everything work backwards from that? Yes. Yes. Even your identity should be created in order to optimize you to be the person to achieve that goal. That's why people have to be A, very specific about what their goal is and B, very careful
0: about what they make their goal. Speaking of identity, um, can you talk a little bit about going back to you know everything in life is helping people change the stories they tell them about themselves. Can you talk about how people become aware of the stories they're telling themselves? I think that is a skill in and of itself.
1: Yeah, so self-awareness is, I believe, a learnable skill that starts with a sense of dis-ease. So you feel something in your gut usually. And it's your job to go, oh, I feel something, right? And it only needs to start with that. Mm. I feel something. What is it that I feel? Put a name to it. Anger, frustration, jealousy, sadness, elation, joy, fulfillment, right? Whatever that thing is. Then you want to ask, what has made me feel this way? And when you can begin to accurately identify that, and I'll say, I- I've spent... Almost two, in fact, maybe more than two decades, really thinking about this. And even now, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, I have no idea why I feel weird right now. And it can so it's take a me work in progress, it's constantly evolving. 100%. Yeah. I think that you get better at mm-hmm. identifying stuff. And so it's only the more and more subtle things um, that will be elusive to you. But that process of really identifying, articulating, putting words to, What the feeling is and why you have it is how you will cultivate the self-awareness. I don't, God, do I think that there's anything about the human condition that can't be improved upon? No. There are probably some people that are just more self-aware than others, so they get early wins, and so somebody else is going to have to work harder, but I think that it is possible.
0: Great. Uh, A couple quick shout-outs. We have Rafael Lobato Lobato from Brazil. Nice. What's up, Rafael? Brazil in the house. Got Mark Hitchery in Fort Worth, Texas, and Eli Officer from Portland, Oregon. Nice. What's up, guys? Um, We're on Facebook Live, we're on YouTube Live. This is just a reminder this is After Impact, the show where we unpack the episode of Preston Smiles this week, early After Impact. So we're launching the episode and doing an After Impact. It's kind of like initially we were thinking about the talking dead or you were thinking about the talking dead, right? Yes. So this is almost that like it's the episode goes live and then we do it right after. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's actually a good point. And by the way, um, we're building out a new set here at impact house and the new set is all focused around launching shows that are literally media related. So we'll be doing things that are even closer, um, to the talking dead than this. But yeah, that, that was always the vision was to go deeper to be able to give sort of a, a director's commentary, if you will, on the episode, what I was thinking um, as this is all happening because I'm really trying to create space for them to, to shine and have their moment and explain yeah. their stuff rather than reacting in real time. I thought, save that for something where the community can join us and throw in their
0: thoughts and questions as well. Definitely. It's great. So th- speaking of that, your reactions, uh, you were really hit hard by his comment where he said um, he slows down to the speed of wisdom yeah so tell me what was going through your mind at that time
1: that was just really interesting and i choose to interpret it as whatever you need to do to really hear that wisdom to be able to live that out so that you're actively doing something about it and you'll see people all the time like i'm too busy for And one of the things that people are often too busy for is like meditating. And this is one of those things I'm just telling you right now as somebody who avoided it for a very, very, very long time, just from a neurochemical standpoint, if you're not meditating, you're fucking up, plain and simple, like you're suboptimal. I promise. So, you know, doing like, what's the quote? It's something like if you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, then your priorities are wrong ah, oh, that's, I'm so muffing this up, but it's something like that. It's yeah. like, if you think you are so busy that you don't have 10 minutes to optimize your mind, like you're wasting so much time being unoptimized that right. like you need it more than most people. So yeah, just hearing him say that I'd never heard that before. And I thought, yeah, if you need to, and I'm a guy who prizes the speed, but if you need to slow down to really get in tune with what makes sense, like that there's just all the logic in the world to that, and for you,
0: that's meditation, right
1: Meditation is one of the things, um, and I guess is depending on how broadly you're going to let me define meditation, like so I used to skip meditation a lot, so if I missed um, if my morning routine were out of whack, meditation would be one of the first things that I would skip. Mm. but I have really found that the meditating in and of itself gives me the silence to hear my intuition. And so it has become more and more precious to me to make sure that I take that time to create that quiet space, to hear my intuition, which is how like nine, no joke, nine out of the 10 times that I present something new to the group, hey, this is what I think we should be doing. It was a whisper from my intuition during meditation. And the whole, like the last couple of weeks, I've really been thinking, really what I'm doing is... When I say meditation, I'm just saying priming myself for thinkitation. And I'm getting myself in that calm, quiet, creative state where mm-hmm. I can hear those whispers and I'm just in a great place to pursue them. And part of the reason that I would skip meditation is because when meditation is only meant to lower your background radiation, which is stress, anxiety, what happens in moments where you don't have any? And that's how people end up getting out of the cycle of meditation is things are just going well. They don't have a high degree of background, especially if you're a practice meditator. You're so, like you've gotten so good at lowering the background radiation at least once a day, like it's at zero. And so you'll find yourself hitting these rhythms where I'm not really stressed or anxious about anything. I mean, maybe acute stuff, but like as a general thing, I'm not really feeling elevated anxiety or stress. So... I don't feel like I need to meditate. But then once I thought about like how advantageous it's been to like figure, and so I'll put it in context for other people, if you're asking like how do I find my passion, which is what they'll actually ask, and the answer is you need to develop your passion, you need the development process starts with, Inciting. it starts with creating that calm creative state where you can hear the little whispers which we'll call those are those moments of interest the things that like hey this is actually something that i care about you've created the space to hear that and then you let your mind wander on that thought to see like how do i make this something more how do i fan the flames how do i engage with it yeah. how does this you know is this going to become a fascination through engagement or not and it's in those moments that you really start to think like hmm, there's something here for me and that that process for really making your life what you want it to be really being engaged and absolutely loving your life i really think that's it's the
0: most foundational thing i can think of to create that space it's so true i was just saying before this that i've been doing a lot more meditation lately and it's one of those things where i look back and go i i feel like an idiot for not doing this before you and me both yeah and The more that I do it, the more that I want to do it. 100%. And the more benefit I get from it. And little things come out that I didn't see before. And it's it's awesome. I love it. All right. We got some questions from Facebook. Actually, YouTube. Uh, This is from That Blank Guy on YouTube. Uh, He's in the comments often. That Blank Guy? That Blank Guy. Wow. This is the first time that name is registering. I think I've seen it before. So, hey, Tom, what are your thoughts on taking the reframing of neutrality in terms of frenemies? If everything is the story you tell yourself about it, about an event, would that mean frenemies then become null? Um, I'll say no, because here's the thing about
1: a frenemy. It is someone who, the part that makes them, so you've got the part that makes them a friend, you've got the part that makes them the enemy, and... Oftentimes that behavior is counterproductive to what you're trying to create. It's undermining, it's um, taking swipes at you, you know, whatever the thing is that is eroding that relationship being a positive thing. You could, however, reframe having a frenemy. So don't be blind to the effects of a frenemy, but you could reframe like, hey, you know what? If you're stuck in a situation, you can't get away from them. You can either reframe and say, what do I need? I'm going to take total ownership for this. I am the reason that there's an enemy component of this. How do I reframe the relationship and figure out how to work with them? The other is to reframe it and say, you know what? Having this friction is actually beneficial to me. And here are the ways that it's helping me and focus on that, right? These are the times where I would say that's really only beneficial if you can't get away from it Um, because I think there is a high degree just the way that humans are. Uh, there's a high degree of toxicity to that where you can rise above it, but it's going to constantly like chip away at you. So I think that there are realities to be faced about. And I'm I am very happy to admit that this is all within the framework of a larger story about like living up to your potential, about um, playing on a world stage, about becoming the greatest of all time. That's all fitting within my story, so I get that, but all of my advice is gonna come from that perspective. Because I think, again, on paper, all things are neutral, but given a human brain, I think it is absolutely 0% of the time that something is truly perceived as neutral in a way that's useful. It's just good to remind yourself that I have a portion of my brain that's painting this, so how do I choose to utilize that thing? I don't think that human beings, like maybe a Buddhist monk will tell you otherwise, but I think I've talked uh, before on the I've talked before in the past, I don't think, I know I have, about I fully reject that notion of not wanting because wanting is the root of all suffering, which, by the way, it is. But I fully embrace the utility of that and with the narrative that I have. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm not trying to step out of the stream of life. I'm trying to be the fastest swimmer in it.
0: Nice. There's someone in the comments, uh, Manu Pathic. Uh, says, how would you look at Preston Smiles along with Tim Grover? They're seeing some parallels there, and some things that were similar. Interesting. Trying to think. Wow. Connections. Yeah, like
1: this is one of those things where I'd need somebody to. So. How about this? The story that I have around Tim Grover and Preston Smiles are very, very different. Mm. So, in fact, I'll say that Preston is the bright, the optimistic, the, you know, you can do anything. And Tim Grover personifies the darkness, <laughs> the, like grind, get it done, whatever it takes, willingness to suffer, like the the literal sickness of obsession. Um But that's just my choice. That's how I've chosen to look at them. And and maybe he's just got a way cooler way to see it. I just don't see it. So to me, they're almost polar opposites. And experientially, being around them feels dramatically different. Interesting. Dramatically.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, if you have any other thoughts on that, please drop them in the comments. I'd love to hear it. Uh, One of the things that uh, Preston talks about is or he he had this phrase that I really liked and it was developing a deep awareness to experience joy. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because you've made some comments about joy too, that you have to kind of, and this is going back to or talking about how you're puzzle solving in the moment and you enjoy Mm -hmm. that, but like finding joy in the day to day and just really like opening yourself up to experiencing that I think is something that you have to cultivate.
1: Yeah, there's no question like anything you really have to cultivate. And I think people um, there are certain things that people want to be effortless. They want joy to be effortless. And they think that it's not real if it's not effortless. They want love to be effortless and it's not real if it's not effortless. Um, It's just not the way the human mind works. So the human mind is a chemical processing plant. Uh, that's its job. That's what it does. It both secretes and then reacts to the chemicals that are flowing in, in the system, and it is utterly fascinating. And this is something we're going to be talking in the health show coming soon. And we've got some really cool people that I think are going to be a part of that. Um, but the the body does a super weird thing. This is how anxiety escalates into a panic attack because you get this feedback loop where it's like, oh, my heart rate is elevated. Oh, my breathing is shallow um, something must be wrong. And then it's, if something's wrong, like what might it be? And then your heart rate speeds up and your breathing gets more shallow. And then like you check back in, oh my God, my heart rate is escalating. My breathing is getting more shallow. And so like you get into a real problem. And that's how, like one of the first things, watch an MMA fight, watch when they go into the corner. The first thing the corner guys are doing, calm down because you need to deescalate because you can't, the body will just keep going because it's in this feedback loop of exertion, stress, and then which creates more stress, more exertion, breathing harder, open mouth, fatigue, right? And so the people that end up getting really good are the ones that can stay super calm in the midst of all that, that they don't let the feedback loop escalate them out of control. And you have to really take over your conscious mind because if you put a novice fighter in a, Either another human is attacking them, a lion is attacking them, whatever, they're going to perform piss poor because the way that the mechanisms are created, they, they tend to feed back into each other and just continue to escalate until they're no longer useful. So you really do have to, to learn to calm that stuff down. So it's really, really interesting to me as you're as you begin to recognize that we are chemical processing plants, as you begin to recognize that there is this feedback loop that you can insert yourself into that and really take control of it. And what was the the beginning of the question? Because I got back to that first step, but
0: just about the deep awareness, of yeah, of joy. So. Joy. As you begin to realize that you need to insert
1: yourself, that this is a development, that you need to take control of those chemicals, then you really can optimize yourself for experiencing joy. You can talk yourself into something being more joyful than it actually was. And so this is something that I find really um, fascinating. So going back to this feedback loop. One of the reasons I don't allow myself to get really pissed off about something is your body is checking to see like how you responded. So if somebody cuts in front of you in line and you freak the fuck out, your brain goes, whoa, that really must have been traumatic. And because it's got to figure out like why it just everything just escalated. Mm -hmm. So now the next time that you go through that, like you're already ready, like to freak out because it's like, dude, cutting in line. It's like that's a real thing. Right. And so you're ready to go versus if you're like, that's not a big deal then your body goes, oh, I guess that's not that big of a deal. Now, either one of those is a choice. Very easy to go in either direction. For instance, if my wife isn't there, I'm super chill about stuff like that, especially if somebody's, air quote, wronging me. Like, I just don't get wound up about the shit. Yeah. I have way more interesting things to think about. But if my wife is there, I know it really bothers her. And it's so important to my code to, like, stand up for my wife. So now, like depending on whether she's there if somebody cuts in line i'm either going to like have to make an issue out of it or i'm totally going to let it go so it is utterly fascinating for to to see how your brain like categorizes those situations so to bring it back around to joy if you focus on fanning the flames focus on like really being joyful about Mm -hmm. something like the origami right so We could invite somebody to your house and you and Nicole are like having the time of your life doing origami and then another person has a choice to make. Mm -hmm. And they can either buy into what you guys are doing and be like, whoa, this actually really is cool. And these are the exact words that they would need to say in their head to really embrace that. This is really cool. It's really important to take the time to find something that's new and novel and playful and find that childlike joy, right? That, that's the actual narrative going on in their head. And as they do that, what they're doing is creating the framing device. And in creating the framing device for how to look at this event of Playing With Origami, they begin to like actually feel the like, whoa, this actually really is fun. Yeah. But if they come in and they're like, Dude, I should be like working on XYZ, like I can't believe it's so fucking dumb, like we're sitting here playing with paper, like you can't even sell these things, like what are we doing? This isn't even a skill that's going to help. The exact same thing, you guys are having a ball and they're being tortured, right? So really, really interesting. Nothing comes for free, at least not to the extremes that it could. There are things that are innately painful, innately pleasurable, but we either make them more so either way, depending on how we frame it and
0: think about it. That's awesome. Big announcement! We have Preston Smiles in the feed. Our boy, Facebook. what
1: is up? Pre- woo woo! I wish yeah. I could do it like he does.
0: This is <laughs> a symptom, <laughs> though, of where my voice is at uh-huh. right now. I can't do it, but oh yeah, it's super infectious the way that he does that. He says, "Yo, much love, guys. Thank you for all that you do." and B, Tom.
1: Nice, man. Well, thank you to you, dude. You are so high energy and so infectious. And if you weren't here at the beginning of the feed, where Jared really put a finger on that, there's so much optimism that just radiates off you from the moment you walked in the house to the moment you left. Um, just high
0: energy, positivity. Very, very cool. Very infectious. Yeah, so all you impactivists out there, send your love to Preston in the feed because yes. it's an awesome episode. Indeed it is. We loved having him. All right, I want to talk about the freedom mindset. All right, let's when do you, it. So, and this is about Preston's idea that you can find freedom in your life anywhere, no matter your circumstances. And it really reminded me too of Gary Vaynerchuk's episode because he really um, emphasized having perspective Mm. and having perspective is what helps you realize like what's good in your life and what you should be appreciative of. So um, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on where do you think a lot of that comes from? You know, and, and if it is perspective, how do you go and seek that perspective?
1: Well, I love the example that he gives. And he his wife has a nonprofit, which I'm forgetting the name of now, but they go to like Tanzania and they help build clean water wells. Mm. And when you encounter people that have none of the things you think you need to be free, money, time, resources, and you see, hmm, they're still alive and they're still vibrant. And he tells the story Um, of the girl who had a skin condition and so literally her face is covered in bandages. She can only see out of one eye, the other one's closed, and yet she would sing, right, and bring this beauty into the environment that she's in and realizing that 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 really is the framing device that allows people to be free of, right, free of what? Free of seeing their situation as a problem or a detriment or something that's holding them back. Did you ever read the book The Last Lecture? No. So this, uh, lecturer, I think he was a college professor. Um, somebody can drop into the comments cause a lot of people know about this guy and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer mm. and they gave him whatever, like six months to live or something. And so he buckles down immediately and starts writing a book and doing a lecture series, um, about what it's like to realize that your, um, you have a terminal diagnosis, but he felt fine. And so it was like, look, we've done all the M- MRIs, like I know this is terminal, um, but i'm in this awesome period where i feel completely normal and so in that period you realize that the battle is 100% mental because he could be certainly entrapped by that or he could allow it to allow himself to remain free of that mm. and so it was really really fascinating read the book watch the videos really interesting to watch somebody who refused to let a death sentence be a death sentence, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. he was going to live the time that he had left. And so since none of us have any amount of time that's guaranteed, right, the example I was using is I could literally have an aneurysm before the end of this episode. So since it's not guaranteed for any of us anyway, like how do you stop yourself from being trapped by your beliefs, which comes back to my whole thing about you're caught in the matrix. And so freedom can be sort of on a, a smaller level or can be on a massive level. And I think people trap themselves in a thousand little ways, whether it's Preston's concept of landing and thinking that you're gonna get something and then like you've got it and not recognizing the transience of any one mental state or it's from the outside looking at somebody that, um, you know, has nothing in a very um, remote rural village in Tanzania, not realizing that those people will either be free or be trapped entirely by their mindsets. So since that's always going to be true, no matter how much you have, right, there's billionaires that hate their fucking life, which is, it's that is the human condition, right? Read the poem, Richard Corey, which I read that when I was like eight, dude, and it changed me in real time. Like... I read it once when I was eight. I didn't look it up again until I was like in my until the internet was around, till I was in probably my early to mid twenties. But it had stayed with me, and it was about this guy. Everybody in the town loves best-looking guy. He's rich. He's famous. All the girls want to be with him. All the guys want to be like him. And he goes home and puts a bullet in his brain. And that's like the punchline of the poem. And you're like, what the hell? And I remember thinking, wow, everybody has a private struggle, Mm -hmm. and that struggle is with being free from all the the perspectives and limitations that make something bad. And so once you understand you control that frame of reference and that in that frame of reference, you either remain trapped or set yourself free and it has nothing to do with your external
0: circumstances, then your life will get very, very interesting. That's awesome. Um, Jumping off of this point of kind of being aware of what your circumstance is and sort of accepting it is, is a lot of what Preston talks about. Accepting your circumstance, but then he also talks about how he is always in a work in progress, always evolving, and always pushing. And those two things are kind of a, a, a somewhat at odds with one mm-hmm. another. So, and I know that you're very big on you know holding two competing ideas in your head at the same time. So, I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, that was how I closed the episode, right? Talking about his friction between um, I all needs met right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make $1.7 million this year, right? I'm going to strive to make that a reality. And it is the friction between those two ideas that makes him special. And that's going to make him, I think, as successful as he decides he wants to be. And I encourage everybody to find a way to exist in a very comfortable way between those two competing ideas, you have to be able to manage beauty and rage. You have to be able to figure out when to lean on one, when to lean on the other. And that is like, admittedly, that's advanced class stuff, right? It is not easy to hold two competing ideas in your head and to know when to lean on one. It's not always clear. So that's where you've got to get good. And that's where the, you brought up Gary's, so is making me think about him. You know, the, what does he say, the, um, the, the variable is in the quality of the content or something like that. It's like, at the end of the day, your content actually has to be good. At the end of the day, your ability to think through this stuff actually has to be effective. And so there is no escape to that. Like, you really have to do the work, figure this stuff out, practice, fail, try again. So, but if you can't get to the point where you find that friction, um, you're a caricature. You're a caricature, man. Mm. And so many people out there in the world of inspirational talk and motivation, they're, they're caricatures. And I get it. They don't mean to be, man. I don't think there's any ill will, but it's like, they, they just have not either figured out how to actually do it in their lives or they don't know how to articulate it. Mm. But nobody, nobody is always in a beautiful state nobody and buddhist monks i'm looking at you okay <laughs> nobody is always in a beautiful state and i think it's just so much bullshit not to be able to talk about it or work through it and it is so ironic to me that i'm becoming known for like not trying to fake the funk right so if i'm confused or lost on something I know, i'm confused i'm lost i'm trying to like work my way through this just like anybody else and and by the way that was born of um, an earlier question that you asked, like self awareness, right? And what I found in really looking at, I have this sense of unease. What is the sense of unease? I found that so much of my anxiety was born out of like, I really wanted to be cool. I really wanted to be perceived as effective, powerful. Um, and that I was drifting, the anxiety started to rise when I was drifting into an area where I didn't know enough to really actually come across well, that I was putting myself into a dangerous position. And so I learned to trust that. And I can still like when you hear me caveat things like we've officially reached the edge of my understanding, that's me going, "Ah, I know that sense of anxiety, know exactly what that is. Oh, yeah, I'm at the edge of my understanding. Just say it so that everybody's sort of with you on the journey so that
0: they recognize I recognize when I hit the edge of my limits. But how did you figure out how to go down that path which is to um, acknowledge that you don't know what you're doing at times versus saying okay well i'm only going to put myself in situations where i know what i'm doing or i'm only going to prepare myself very well for every situation So that I know what I'm doing and I don't have to have that feeling.
1: I love when you ask a question and I really have a good answer for you. I have a good answer for this one because it was a very acute moment. So I remember when I, I was still a copywriter and I had come on to the business, the guys that end up being my partners in Quest, they hire me as a copywriter. And they say, don't think of yourself as a copywriter. You can have any job that you want. You can even earn your way to being an equity partner in this company, but you have to crush it. So I had to get better, right? And I'd come on board because I wanted to get rich. There were two promises I made myself when I was a kid. One day I'll be rich and one day I'll have six pack abs. I had no idea how I was going to make either of them true, but that was my goal, right? So now take, you know, my obsession with goals that in fact, just in this episode, we said everything works backwards from that. So I already had that belief. So I want to get rich. Fantastic. These guys were smarter than me and I was constantly in a position where my ideas just weren't the right ideas and they knew more and just forget that they were ahead of me in their business curve. They, they could process data faster than me. So it was like always wrong, always wrong. Their idea was always the right idea. And as somebody who prided himself on being right and being smart, it felt fucking terrible, man. Mm-hmm. And every time it happened, I was like, this makes me feel so badly about myself. And, and I didn't want to feel badly about myself. It, it sucks so much. When people feel badly about themselves, it sucks. It will suck every day of your life. It will never stop sucking. So the question is, what do you decide to feel good about? So I had a fixed mindset, I wanted to be right, so they presented an idea, actually I think it was first, I presented an idea, they presented a better one, and I just couldn't take another day of being wrong. So I start arguing it and arguing it and arguing it and arguing it and finally I win the argument. And a voice in my head the entire time I was arguing was screaming, you know you're wrong, shut up! Like you know you're wrong, like what are you doing? And I didn't have the clarity. I didn't know why. I just knew I need to win this fucking argument. And so I kept going, kept going, kept going. And either they just relented or I actually convinced them. Either way, we were now gonna move forward with my business idea, even though I knew it was worse. And so I said, I have a goal to get rich. I just convinced them to do something that is way less likely to make me rich. So what do I actually want? Because if I want to just be right and feel good about myself, I'm in the wrong environment because they're never going to make me feel like that. They're too far ahead of me. They're too smart. So I need to, if that's really what I want, fair enough. I'm not going to judge me, right? If that's really what you want, though, you need to leave this environment because it will be a torture chamber for you. On the other hand, if it's not what you want and you really do want to be rich, then you need to, whatever idea is right, pursue it. And that was the epiphany moment. And that's when I realized, what I build my self-esteem around matters because I need to feel good about myself. I know that I won't enjoy feeling badly about myself all the time. So can I switch what I take pride in? Can I switch over to being the learner and taking my sense of pride around being able to admit that I'm wrong, Fast like really fast and really priding myself on the amount of time that from the moment I realize that I'm wrong, which I won't pride myself on that I want to do it quickly But like you're gonna realize it when you realize it but from the moment that I realize it how fast can I go? I was wrong and now get on board with the right answer and put all my energy behind it and when I made that switch Everything in my life changed. That is like, if there were going to be an acute moment, which sadly there is not, but if there was going to be an acute moment where I stopped being in the matrix, that was it. Mm. And that certainly, like if you ask me, people ask, oh, how did you become successful? Usually I'll say I read. The, the, the honest truth is that realization. Realizing that I needed to feel good about myself, that I could build my sense of pride around something that was anti-fragile, and that that thing was being a learner, always willing to admit when I was wrong, identifying the right answer and putting energy behind it. Like, and I, I, I am very open to there being something else because now that's part of my identity, but I really believe that is the single most foundational part of the belief system. Until you do that,
0: you'll be held back. That's, that's great. Really powerful. Um, someone dropped in the comments, Randy Pausch, P-A-U-S-C-H is the name of the, um, the last lecture. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was from Corinne Davis. Thanks, Corinne. Ooh,
1: Corinne. She is an absolute rock star. One of the only two people to finish the 24-hour live.
0: So That's right. She did. Yeah. Mad mad respect. Cool. Well, that is, uh, those are all the questions I have for today. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about in this episode? No,
1: I mean, are we, where are we at on time here?
0: Uh, we're, we got about six more minutes till the top wow. of the hour. All right. And we've got no questions coming in from. No, I, I, unfortunately I think it's because most people haven't seen the episode. Right. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Truth. Hashtag so, truth. Yeah. No, I don't man. That's uh, that is it. If you guys
1: haven't already, make sure you watch this episode Preston is an absolute bundle of energy, enthusiasm, optimism, positivity. Very, very cool to be around and to enjoy. It was a lot of fun to have him in the house. It was a lot of fun to research him and see somebody be so consistently upbeat. And what made it important to me, because not BS, is that he acknowledges it's a choice. It's a frame of reference. It's something he has decided to do and find in his life. And by deciding it and finding that in his life, His life radically changed and took him from being the kid that was getting in trouble and smoking weed at like 12 years old or some crazy shit like that um, to really finding just beautiful things in his life and being able to create the life that he wants for himself, which I cannot stress that enough. It is for you to build and you can have whatever life you desire. You have to make those choices at all times based on your mentality. All right. Now I will come back to this camera, and I will say, guys, we are on a race to 100,000 subscribers. Technically, to tell the truth, we're on a race to 115,000, but Jared is convinced that will be very confusing and seem very odd to you guys, <laughs> so we keep focusing everybody on 100,000, but between you and me, it's secretly 115,000 by the end of September, and our obsession with numbers is two-pronged. One, it's what helps us get... Guests on the show and makes Dr. Finesse's job a lot easier. Brings amazing, amazing people to you guys because the first thing people, even Preston Smiles, smiles, Jesus, even Preston Smiles, um, does is they look at our YouTube count. So getting our YouTube numbers up is just immeasurably helpful to getting you guys more and more guests on the show. So that would be incredible. Um, if you would right now, if you're on Facebook and you always listen on Facebook and you never do YouTube, one thing that would be incredibly meaningful to us right now, this very second, open a new tab, go to youtube.com forward slash Tom Hit that subscribe button. That would mean the world. To all of you guys that are asking how you can help and support, this is it. This is your chance. Tell Go your friends. Go right now. Yes. And tell your friends. Share this bad boy incredibly, incredibly meaningful. And then the second reason that numbers matter to us is it gives us massive negotiating power as we build out the studio. Um, The vision for the studio is going to become more and more tangible to you guys uh, in the coming months. I think before we hit Christmas time, we're going to have a lot of new shows coming out. We've got a partnership, which we can't really say yet, but we've got a partnership um, that we're very excited about coming out Uh, that, yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. We're making moves, homies. We are making moves. So I can't wait for you guys to see all of this stuff coming to fruition and to really understand why, as a team, we work around the clock. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us. It is amazing. This community is the most beautiful thing in my life. Uh, If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary, take care, and mad love to press and smiles. Thanks for joining us today in the feed, my man. Much appreciated. Peace.